Hey, entrepreneurs, it's your podcast mogul, Phil Better here. I am excited for this episode, as as I know you are. Before we jump into this episode, I'm going to ask you, if you are also a podcaster and you're looking to grow your podcast or monetize your podcast, make sure you stay till the end of the episode. I have a special deal for you or a special offer, if you will. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most Phil Better. And today I'm excited to introduce our guests because they are a renowned business strategist, global keynotes, keynote speaker, executive trainer, and coach investor, two-time best-selling author, and of course, a Forbes contributor. They're president and co-owner of Pure Matter, a Silicon Valley global marketing agency since 2001, and the CEO of H2H Companies. He sparked the human-to-human H2H global movement that set out to humanize humanize business through simpler communication, empathy, and celebrating our imperfections. He's a TED Talk. uh, He's a He's a TED Talker, speak person. He's amazing, pretty much is what I'm trying to say. Brian Kramer, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. Hey, thank you so much for the kind intro, and I appreciate you having me here. Um, Brian, let's get down pretty much to brass tacks. You're uh, you're an amazing individual. You've done a lot since 2001. Uh, but I want to know, how did you get into the world of entrepreneur? Like, what started that spark to join, create your own businesses? You know, um, I always wanted to start my own business. So it was something that I think I wanted from a very early age. Um, However, what actually uh, did it was everything that I prepared myself for. I, uh, you know, had a degree in marketing communications and a minor in um, uh, Japanese and Buddhism. Um, And I thought I was going into international business studies, but uh, or international business. And, and um, what really changed it for me was getting a job and working my way through marketing firms and agencies and creating a lot of different um, uh, and working through different uh, positions and realizing that I wanted to do this myself. Uh, and after successfully doing it for others, I, I, in 2002, we did do that. We crossed over, um, I met my wife and who was my then, uh, uh, you know, we got married, we had a child and started a business all within two years, which was a big gamble. But at the same time, it was a very uh, uh, good one because it worked out. So, um, yeah, that's that's how we started it. Now, what is Pure Matter? Like, yes, it's a Silicon Valley global marketing agency. But what what do you do with Pure Matter? Uh, Pure Matter has a couple different sides to it. Um, it it's a marketing consultancy um, it, at one point. We had uh, large clients, uh, we still do, but um, different types of clients. We had Netflix and MasterCard, Cisco, IBM. Uh, and we worked with demand gen. Uh, we worked in demand gen, digital marketing, uh, social marketing, social influence marketing. Um, 
uh, just about everything but PR. We were at 1.30 uh, 30 people, $30 million agency. And, um, and I was also at the same time uh, speaking uh, quite a bit, traveling 200 days a year speaking. And so uh, we decided, given the amount of time and effort that was being put into the agency, that we'd take, we'd take a step back and actually turn it into a marketing consultancy from a, just sheerly a burnout perspective. And so we created it more as a an outsourced uh, kind of CMO, creative director um, uh, standpoint. And then the other side of it is executive um, coaching and executive consulting. And so we'll work with executives, VPs, directors and up, I should say, and and help them to um, to grow their company in leadership, marketing, sales and communications. Um, and when did you when you decided to take the huge jump pretty much freshly married with a kid you decide hey let's create this agency that helps market uh businesses in the silicon valley what what was it specifically that you felt that it was the right time because it seems like there was a lot on your plate and probably most people say that's the wrong time to jump into entrepreneurship but what for you made it feel like it was the right time you know, uh, it was probably the worst time I could have ever done it because not just because of what you just said, but also it was a um, the dot bomb uh, oh. in, was happening when we launched our company. Um, I think every every time I've gone to launch a new company, it's always been in a downturn. And I, I really think that it's a great time to launch because that's when um, people start to need uh, support more um, and they needed it at a more efficient uh, in a more efficient way and in a cost-effective way. And when you're small and you're nimble, you can do those things. And um, well, obviously once you grow, then you have to take on a different approach. But um, when when you're in a downturn, it doesn't mean that people don't need business. It just means they do need a different type of business. And I think it's a great time if you're looking to launch a company to, to actually do one. That's what actually helped us uh, succeed. And it, it now that you've you've gone through like you're over 20 years in the business, uh, running your own business and that, do you see similarities now with the way the market is where it was when you first launched in 2001 and 2002? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'd say it happens about once every, you know, seven to 10 years. It's usually every decade. Uh, that we go through something like what we're going through. And I expect it. I think it's something that, um, you know, it's happened now uh, about three times, I think, in my career. And um, and each time we have to reinvent ourselves. Um, and so that's what separates, you know, a business that stays and a business that goes is how you're able to reinvent or change or shift. Uh, when at some point we needed to become an outsourced marketing department in order to, uh, you know, go from agency to outsource marketing department because that's what was needed. At another point, it was creating, um, you know, a shift in in how we approached our clients and being s- supportive to them. Um, so you, you really just want to take a look at what what is the opportunity, what's the need. Um, even if you don't see it coming, there's there's a, a chance that um, you know you won't see it coming, and at the same time, you're going to want to react pretty quickly. Um, I would say don't don't react quickly. Take your time, um, even if 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 it means um, you're going to lose a little bit in the short term. 
um, really create a strategy, create support, ask for help, reach out to others, um, and and then ask for exactly what it is that you need. Um, it, the other thing is, I think it's really super important to to uh, um, be clear. Um, clarity around what you what you want is 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 your greatest you know success. So, the more that you're clear, the more people can know how to help you. Like that. And how did you, speaking of getting clear and knowing exactly who you can help, how did you, when you first started, start streamlining knowing exactly who you wanted to help in your business, with your business? Well, when we first started, it was local. So we were working with construction company, big, like here uh, in San Jose, California, it was larger construction companies, like 50 million and up. I mean, Tuss, that was large at the time. And, uh, you know, accounting firm, large, you know, 20 million and up um, and and uh, 40 million and up, another accounting firm. So we were working with professional services and we, we were really good at it. Uh, and then um, being that we're in Silicon Valley and I had a lot of background in tech and tech support, tech marketing um, and in other areas, too. Um, it just came uh, some opportunities came to us and we started to become really uh, excited and really good at demand gen and um, tech marketing. And so. You know, we worked our butts off trying to figure out, you know, how to not be templated. That was our biggest thing. We didn't want to serve the same uh, company, the same type of company um, in the same kind of niche. I know that sounds kind of opposite what um, a lot of companies would say. But as a creative company, since we're in the creative field, we wanted to make sure that we're serving our clients across industries and bringing different things from different industries across uh, to other companies. So where we would have work in, um, you know, Cisco one day, and then we were working it with Netflix, um, you know, and maybe within their uh, other divisions like DVD division, we're bringing some of the best in class of what we did at, at like IBM and building their first influencer marketing campaigns, their first global campaign. And then we would do the same thing over in at Netflix. And so it was really how we service the clients versus um, who we serviced. Um, and then that was be bringing again, the best in class, of what we knew across industries to bring it over to other industries, which was really helpful to them. Oh, I like that. I like how you were looking at solving the the problem for the client and not trying just to find a simple, uh, easy client to go after every time and just get that easy recurring income coming in. You were looking for challenges that helped you creatively by finding different issues. Uh, I think that's not talked enough about creative entrepreneurs, regular entrepreneurs. They like that template that, uh, that every routine, but as creatives, we like to find new and challenges ways to keep us on our toes and in the forefront. Um, if you could provide maybe a tip, someone about a creative entrepreneur, about to jump into this world of entrepreneurship or someone who feels creative, what would you suggest to them one of the first things they should start laying out their plan? I think I heard you right. Uh, if they're starting out uh, in yeah. the creative field and they want to get into it, what's some of the first things that they would want to do? Um, yeah, so, uh, I, you know, it's kind of like anything else. Uh, when you get into it, I think um, you, you really want to uh, be in it to serve other individuals and take on a, a real servant mentality um, where you're 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 looking at it for um, 
getting uh, getting your your hands dirty um, and 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 saying yes to just about everything. I mean, that's that's what I you know did when I first started was, you know, even with speaking, it was um, you know I would talk to a wall if a wall would listen to me, um, and and that's that's kind of the same thing for creative work. I mean, you got to start somewhere, and um, and and you know you may think that it's monotonous or minutia work, but to someone else it really matters and it's needed and it's desired, and you're going to move the needle and. And little things that you do are going to create new opportunities. And that next opportunity is something that you don't know where it's going to lead. So, um, you know, saying yes to things that you might otherwise think, wow, that's, you know, something that would never really fill me with joy um, is, is, is actually the thing that might actually might create more opportunity and create more, more abundance in your life. So I, I, I follow the, when you're first starting out, say yes to everything and over time start to iron iron out exactly what makes more sense for you oh i like that i i I like that strategy because then you don't you get to touch everything and get a feel for what what area may be more conducive for you or what maybe a project that you get can spark a new revolution spark a new company um why did you start h2h companies or the h2h uh brand um, well, I'd say it started me uh, when when we were ta- we were at the agency. We were talking about human human for years, and then all of a sudden, social media came on the scene, and uh, and and everything changed. Um, all marketing changed forever, just like it's doing right now with AI. Um, we we had a a monumental shift of communication and engagement change. I mean, you and I are sitting here on a digital. A social platform uh, that wouldn't have happened before then. And you and I are having a human to human conversation. Okay. You could call it a human to digital conversation. But <laughs> we're, we're, we're having a conversation and there's no boundaries or, or borders here. And what we're, what we're doing, you could be in, you know, uh, Saudi Arabia. I mean, you could be anywhere. We could be, you know, anywhere having a conversation. The same, that changed the day social media came out and, um, and it changed for, for companies or brands. Brands no longer had one-way communication. It wasn't radio, TV, and newspapers anymore. It was, um, you know, uh, two-way communication. Yeah, I could get on and, and on Twitter and talk about the bad experience I had with your brand. And there was not a lot that you could do about that other than responding and taking care of my complaint. So this was new, new ways of being for brands, and they had to learn um, how to be human to human. And, um, and that changed, changed, changed the game. Um, it's continued to change the game from when I first wrote uh, that book in 2014. And now we're just dealing with a whole different set of issues, but the same, same problem of how do we bring humans closer together, not farther apart. And your goal with uh, H2H is to bring like everyone together. It's to make sure that businesses are in line with the end user. It's bringing the right two people together, two or more people together. So um, if we're using technology to take the place of a relationship, we're doing it wrong. If we're using automation or, uh, or, or AI or anything to create distance between relationship, then uh, it's not going to create a lasting relationship with the customer. So it's it, human to human is really a relationship between two people or more that um, is is not just between the customer and the 
uh, brand, but also between the employee and the brand. It's between everybody. Um, it's how we create relationships. And when you look at the number one KPI across the board, it's not, it's not um, uh, how many conversions we got. It should be, it should be engagement. How engaged are we with the person at the other end? Because the more engaged that we are, the higher your conversion will be. The higher. Uh, other KPIs will be. So I really think that engagement equals HTH. Oh, I like that. Um, with, with your length of time in the industry from, you know, doing your global marketing agency with Pure Matter and then H2H companies that you run, um, you've must have accumulated a lot of wins for your clients or great moments with your clients and customers, as well as some great moments for yourself. Do you have one that kind of just stands out, kind of cements your why, why you started doing uh, this entrepreneurial journey? Uh, w- amongst the wins, was there something that started why I, uh, with why a spark I that, that kind of re- reaffirms why you do what you do? Oh, um, well, Right now, we're working with purpose-driven brands. Uh, we've shifted, you know, significantly in, into that. And and that, you know, at this point in my career, that's what I really love doing is working with people, people with purpose um, and brands with purpose. So that means that they're doing good in the world and they want to create more of it. Uh, that's what keeps me going today. It's not the same thing that kept me going 10, 10 or 20 or 30 years ago. Um, right now, I, I work for, for joy. Um, and oh, by the way, I get paid. But the joy is really what um, what I'm looking for. And and does this give me the hell yeah instead of the, the heck no? Um, if I get the hell yeah, then I'm in. And, and that usually means that, um, you know, there is, there is some good in the world being created by what it is that we're going to do together. Um, because if, if that is the case, that makes my job easier. I'm going to get more excited about it. And so are others that are working on it. Um, you know, whether it's something that solves for the environment or it's something that solves for humanity or it's something that solves for the betterment of um, of us as as human beings and what we're doing and what we're here to do in our in our lives and how we show up every day. I just think that that kind of stuff is really just much more meaningful to me now than than it used to be. And, um, you know, I spent too many years on the road away from my family, creating distance. And now I'm really excited to create, you know, a closer connection with with my own in my own world. And so that's the kind of stuff that I'm working on. And when did you see that shift happen from like, like you said, like you were 10 to 15 years ago was a different, you were a different person. When did that shift happen for you going from looking not working for joy to coming in now working and love what you're doing where you are today. Yeah, that I can tell you that happened five years ago. Uh, so that was when my son was 11 and um, I was home speaking from speaking one day and my son pulled me in into his bedroom and asked me to sit down and talk to me. And he said, dad, and you're, you're not healthy. He was right. I was, 85 pounds more than I was now. He said, you're, you have diabetes. He's right. I had diabetes, um, which I just got, uh, diagnosed with type two diabetes and we never see you. You're always on the road. You're always working. And at this rate, uh, in how unhealthy you are, I, f- I, I have this really, I get really upset because I feel like you're not going to get to meet your grandchildren and you won't be around that long. And it just hit me. Um, that, that moment hit me and, and, 
I was just in, in tears the next day on another plane ride on the way out. And at the end of that trip, uh, after my keynote, I came home and I told my wife that I, I needed to change everything. I needed to restructure, re, redo my life, um, take it, take some time off. I took a year off and I lost 85 pounds. I lost diabetes. I started focus, refocusing all my efforts into the right areas. I picked my kids up from school and dropped them off as, as almost every day. And, and it really changed my life. So, um, so it really took a moment like that to see that what, what I was doing while it was on the outside looking like it was amazing. And I was giving all these great keynotes and Ted talk and, and great company on the inside, I was dying a slow death and it wasn't worth the life I was living. Wow. Um, your son was 11. Are you sure he wasn't like 75? Because that does not sound like a normal 11 year old uh, telling your dad that. I know, right? He's, he's He still talks like that today. He, he's got such a wise, he, I don't know where he gets it from, but he's just, he's very wise when he talks and he, he has that kind of matter of fact that's, that's, that's Henry. He's just very matter of fact about how he, he talks and, and, you know, God bless him. He saved my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm very thankful that, because if not, we probably wouldn't be able to have this conversation and share your expertise and your knowledge with everyone. Um, I, I want to talk about the book that you recommended gap and the gain. Why is that a book you, you feel entrepreneurs should read? Uh, Dan Sullivan wrote that book uh, with Dr. I think it was Hardy um, who interviewed him for it. And the audio book is actually the, the book itself is great. The audio book's even better because there's interviews in between the chapters. And um, it's how we how we show up every day, not just as individuals, but as a team and and whether we where we live, where are we coming from? Um, and, and this is just the high level. It goes into a much deeper how and not just the why, but I'll give you the high level. The high level is that when we um, where we come from or our come from is is just, is more important than anything else. What that means is that are we coming from the gap or are we coming from the gain? Um, when you come from the gap, it's what's wrong or what's not working. When you come from the, the um, gain, it's it's what is possible and what can we create from this in any situation, even in the most in in the most uh, uh, in the in the hardest, ch most challenging situations. We can create from that a gain that will 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 give us more of what it is that we're looking for. You know, I always used to say to my kids, um, you know, you can't push a river. You can just get in the river and and go go down with go uh, downstream with the river and then ride the tides. Same thing can be said for the ocean. You can't stop the ocean. You just get in and surf it. Um, so when you live in the gap and you're just looking at what is the solution that we have to work with here right now, it changes our perspective and our out, out, our our mindset about everything. And now at now, all of a sudden, um, possibilities and opportunities shows up. I like that. That's that's. I'm definitely now going to be picking up that audio book. Um, hopefully, it's on Audible so that I can uh, get that free credit used to put to use. Um, Brian, I want to get to the spark question because we are coming near the end of the show, um, and I think this is this is going to be interesting because you don't believe in work goals. You believe in being present. So I'm wondering, is there a habit or belief that took you a long time to unlearn? Yeah, well, uh, there's a lot. Uh, the biggest one is is not to be busy. 
busy, busy and, and hustle does not create more. Uh, and so I had to unlearn being busy and, and start creating, um, a habit of focusing on just the things that, that, uh, that really bring, I know it sounds really like oversimplified and, you know, whatever, but it, it, it really, like, if it really truly doesn't bring me joy, I really just can't do it. It, 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 I just can't like it, there, I either need to outsource it or I need to stop it or I need to not do it. Like I said, um, uh, it's just not meant for me. It's meant for someone else. And so, uh, I don't work as hard, but I work smarter and there's a lot, I, I tend to do actually better now, uh, than I did at the agency, um, which is not surprising, um, and surprising at the same time, because I had a bigger team and a bigger, uh, volume, but that doesn't equate to the, your bottom line. And so unlearning that uh, more doesn't equal uh, happiness is is really, really hard to do, but it, it really, really does make a big difference. I like that. That's some great advice. Um, and I like to live a more simple life as well, because I think we're living in a more complex world. It doesn't make, make it easier, but a simpler life does make you have a happier life. So I love how you you, you, you chose to unlearn the uh, hustle and grind mentality. Uh, Brian, I'm going to jump off the screen here. I want you to let my audience know where they can connect with you, how if they want to have you talk at their event or business um, so that you can teach them a bit more about the H2H uh, mentality. So the floor, sir, is yours. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing I can say is that around HTH, there's three different things that uh, you want to keep in mind. Uh, and think about this in terms of a brand, simplicity, empathy, and imperfection. Simplicity, uh, how do you embrace embrace the simplicity of your brand? You might think about Apple in that respect. It's very simple. You understand exactly what they do, what they sell, and how to get the product, how to get support, how to get service. The next one is empathy. Uh, do you have empathy for your customer and how do you show that? How do you show up? Um, and how do you create more empathy, not just empathy with your customer, but empathy for the people that work for you or you work for them. And how do you create more of that? Uh, you might see empathy show up even in large companies who you would never think of in a million years, like Amazon. They have great customer support where they'll take anything back. And that shows a huge sign of empathy without arguing with you. And the final one's imperfection. No, nothing's perfect. Perfect is a myth. It doesn't exist. So create more imperfection or at least embrace imperfection and show the humanity side of what you do in your brand and everything that you do. And if you remember just one thing, being human is your competitive advantage. Everything right now points to more technology, more automation, more AI. So in order to stand out, be more human. Being human is your competitive advantage. Please take that one thing away. If you took anything away from everything that I said. I, that is brilliant. I love ending. I don't even want to speak anymore. So I'm going to sh say, Brian, thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. My audience, you know where the show notes have all the links to connect with Brian and his wisdom. Because uh, I'm looking forward to re-listening to this episode and picking up what I've missed f since uh, <laughs> since the episode has ended. So, Brian, I can't thank you enough for all that knowledge. Thank you, Phil. I really appreciate it. And uh, to everyone out there, please do connect at briankramer.com. Brian with Y, Kramer with a K. And I love connecting. I love engaging. That I wouldn't be HTH if I wasn't. So uh, I look forward to it. And thanks again, Phil. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. And to my audience, remember to always invest in yourself.
Hey, digital entrepreneurs, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Now, if you're looking to take your podcast to the next level, like most of these entrepreneurs have taken their business to the next level to scale it, if you will, make sure you check out my brand new newsletter. Links are down below. It is called the Monetization Mogul Syndicate Newsletter, or it could be Phil Better stories of monetization moguls or making moguls is what i do so make sure you go ahead and check that out but i want to thank you very much for listening and as always remember to invest